Now, I don't know if, uh, if you've been sensing it or not, but I just feel like I mean, we're talking about it in staff. There's just been a, such a powerful sense of God's spirit at the prayer meeting the last several weeks. And, uh, you know, we talked about last week what, what God had done and, and Jessica. And um, raise your hand if God did something even now at the altar. If, you, if God, if you prayed for something and God brought healing to you, amen, amen. Come on now. You know, I was, I was praying for uh, Matthew right now, and I said, Matthew, what do, you, what do you need me to pray for? He said, my knee. I go, okay. So we're praying over his knee, and I'm praying a little while, and I just felt like the Lord tell me, uh, have him test it out, have him, have him check it out. And so I was like, can you move your knee for me and just do something yet you weren't able to do before without pain? And, you know, he, he tested it out. It was kind of funny. You obviously can't see your own face, Matthew. But as he did it, you just saw this, like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, did you hurt it more? <laughs> He's like, I don't feel it anymore. And I just love that face, that look. But now here's the thing, okay? And this kind of fits really great with, with the word that uh, I feel God has given us this evening. I'm, I'm always happy when I'm like, oh, good, that lined up. Thank you, Jesus. Um, but I've had the honor and the privilege of, of being a, a witness to many of God's miraculous things. And it just always reinforces my own faith and, and gets me really excited. But uh, even when God does the miraculous, even when you know, we gather together for a prayer meeting, which by the way, if you're like, we're praying too much at the prayer meeting, then you came to the wrong meeting. Um, but it, but if, you, if you come into the prayer meeting and then God does something, I don't doubt that there still might be people in the room who are like, but did he really? You know, and I'm not, I'm not even saying we always say that out loud, but sometimes in our heart, it's like, I mean, yeah, maybe he just, even like when I was talking to Matthew, I was like, he goes, I think I hyperextended. I go, I think God healed it. So we can figure out which one of us was right on that one. Um, but it's, it's one of those things that kind of leads me to this message today. I titled it, Believe It or Not. And uh, believe it or not, it really stemmed from uh, Acts chapter 12. And I'm gonna read kind of the whole passage for a moment, but let me give you some context of what's going on. There's been some serious persecution. The, the church has been birthed, the Holy Spirit has been poured out, and obviously when you got gains, you're gonna get opposition. I am not a bit surprised if we are beginning to see more and more persecution and opposition from the enemy because we are experiencing more and more of the move of God. As a matter of fact, I kind of like to a certain extent when that happens because it tells me, oh, we're moving in the right direction. And listen to what happens in Acts chapter 12, verse one through four. It says, about that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with the sword. Let me pause right there. There was a, a certain belief, especially among the early church, that the disciples were untouchable. That maybe something could happen to one of us, but surely not the very men of God that he has raised up and he has set out. And yet we see James, one of those disciples, as a matter of fact, one of the closest, Jesus kind of hung out with all of them, but he had a real special relationship with Peter, James, and John, James and John being brothers. We see that one of these inner circle disciples got his head cut off. Now everyone knows, hey, no one's untouchable. It's like, you know, when you're watching a movie or a show and, and the hero's caught in the corner and you're kind of nervous, but at the same time you're like, but they're like the main person in the show. They're going to survive, right? Or else the show's over. And, and this is one of those reminders that, hey, this isn't just a story. This is historical nature, historical fact. 
And so here we go. James, John's brother, is killed with the sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after Passover. So naturally the church is nervous right now. You've already killed one of our leaders and now you've captured one of our other main most vocal leaders. And so there's some nervousness going on. And I can imagine even for Peter, man, if if something could happen to James, surely something could happen to me. Now, verse six says, the night before Peter was placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell and the angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up and the chains fell off his wrists then the angel told him get dressed and put on your sandals and he did now he put on his coat now put on your coat and follow me this feels like me trying to get my kids ready in the morning for church the angel ordered so Peter left the cell following the angel but all the time he thought it was a vision pay attention to that he didn't realize it was actually happening they passed the first and the second guard post and came to the iron gate leading to the city and this opened for them all by itself so they passed through and started walking down the street and then the angel suddenly left him Peter finally came to his senses it's really true he said The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from the Jewish leaders and planned, uh, that planned to do me. I'm sorry. And the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. Let's go down a little bit further. Verse 12. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark. Most scholars believe this is the same Mark who wrote the gospel of Mark. Not our Mark, but this Mark. It says, where many gathered for prayer. So, again, When he realized that he had been set free, what does he do? I'm going to go to the church. I'm going to go to the people. Why? Because these are the people that have gathered and they were praying for my release. So he's thinking it might be nice for you to see your prayers are answered. Right? So he goes there and the Bible says, I love this. This is one of my favorite things. He knocked at the door in the gate and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter's standing at the door. I kid you not, my oldest has done this a hundred times. One of the grandparents will knock on the door, she'll run out, look at the window, it's grandma, and then run through the house telling everyone it's grandma. Meanwhile, grandma's still knocking, trying to see if anybody's going to open the door for her. Here, the, the prayer's answer, she hears that it's Peter. She's so overwhelmed, and I would even add probably surprised, that she runs back to tell everybody what happens. And she says, Peter's standing at the door. What's their response? You're out of your mind. <laughs> Again, they've been praying for this. (laughs) You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided, well, it must be an angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued, poor Peter. Peter, in my head, he's like, seriously, guys, I just broke out of prison. Open the door. (laughs) When he realized, uh, when they finally opened the door, I'm sorry, it must be an angel. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down and told them what the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said, and then he went to another place. 
This is actually the last time that Luke even really mentions uh, Peter in the book of Acts, or one of the last times. Uh, most scholars think he left Jerusalem, ended up either going to Rome or to Antioch, but this is kind of the end of Peter's story in the book of Acts, and what an ending, right? This crazy supernatural miracle of, of him being broken out of prison by an angel uh, with multiple guards and multiple chains, and yet there is no barrier that can ever stop God from doing what God wants to do. And so this is incredible. And to top it all off, this is what they were all praying for. This is what the church was praying for. This is what Peter was praying for. Everybody's praying for this to happen. And then when it happens, nobody believes it. Isn't that us sometimes? We pray and we pray, and yet God's beginning to do something, and we go, eh, maybe it was coincidence. Maybe, maybe it's emotional reaction. Maybe it's just a little sensational. Maybe they want attention. Maybe they're this. Maybe they're that. There's three maybes, uh, and by maybe I mean uh, a, a reason other than God actually doing what he said he's going to do, that I think some of us fall into the trap of doing. And the first one is this, God does something miraculous, and rather than accepting that it's the Lord, we say something like, well, you're probably just dreaming, probably made it up, right? The entire prison break, Peter thinks it's a dream. Some of you are in the midst of God already doing your miracle, and you don't even see it. You just think it's a dream. You're just it's wishful thinking. This is hopefulness. And listen, in Peter's case, I will argue, it does make sense. He was sleeping, and the angel woke him up from a dead sleep. He had 12 men guarding him and, and multiple gates and chains and things blocking his way. Uh, chains are falling off. Prison gates are flying open by themselves. To be fair, that sounds like a dream. It is not reality, but God does not work in reality. God works in the supernatural. And so, I, again, I can argue and I can see why Peter would, would kind of be in a fog throughout all of that. But the problem is many of us have that same issue. Some of you have experienced a miracle from God, and it took you a moment to realize it was actually happening. Again, even, I'll just tease you with Matthew, but it took him a few minutes to like, wait, what happened? <laughs> is this for real? I imagine same thing with Jessica last week or, or Billy as they were praying for him or, or any of those other things. It feels like you're dreaming. I think Martha, where you at, Martha? Achal, are you back there? She's in Compass Kids. Well, Juan's wife, Martha, uh, we just got word today. She'd been praying for a job. And listen, miracles aren't only healing, by the way. God does the miraculous. What is it? When you can't do it for yourself, when it seems implausible or impossible and it still happens, that's a miracle. And Martha been praying for a job. Seems like a simple thing, but listen, it's not always. She prayed for a job, and unbeknownst to her, she got a call, not even somebody she reached out to, with the perfect job and the perfect parameters and his perfect timing. Why? Because it must have felt like a dream, but it's still God. Hey, listen, just because it feels like a dream doesn't mean the Lord's not moving in it. Sometimes we think it's too good to be true, and sometimes it is but it doesn't mean that God's not moving in it. Listen, Matthew 14, verse 24 through 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble and away from land for a strong wind had risen. They're on this boat in the sea and they were fighting the waves. About three o'clock in the morning, which is usually the delusional hour for most people, that's when you're still trying to find the light in the bathroom wall. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on water. Seems like a dream. When the disciples saw him walking on water, they were terrified. In fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. 
But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. He said, take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went on the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. When he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? You know, it's funny because we always say, well, listen, Jesus is the only man that walked on water, but scripture tells us Peter did it, right? Look at look how it says. It says uh, he was terrified. I'm sorry. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on water toward Jesus. Must have seemed like a dream. And then he looked away from the one that was making this dream come true and he began to sink. Listen, who am I to argue what God has done in your life? I was just talking to Pastor Carlos about that earlier. A lot of camps, a lot of places, you see a lot of people lacking faith. Well, how did you know God really did that? How do you know he didn't? And here's the truth. I don't know, nor is it my responsibility to know. If, if you tell me it hurt and now it doesn't hurt, okay, that's your, I've, yeah, you experienced it. That's not my experience. So why would I argue, well, did God really heal you? Maybe you're just wishfully thinking. Maybe you're just hoping. Maybe you just turned it in just the right way that it got set in place. Or maybe... God did what you asked him to do. And rather than me coming up with all the reasons why it didn't happen, how about I just believe you? Because at the end of the day, you know, Matthew's the one running on that knee, not me. By the way, I'll trade knees with you any day of the week, Matthew. So the first guy, Peter himself, thinks he's dreaming. And then he shows up at the house, Rhoda comes in, you know, runs away before opening the door, goes to the people, tells them, Peter's here just like we've been praying. And the first response is, you're crazy. Listen, when God does the miraculous in your life, do not be shocked that when you tell somebody, they think you're crazy. Man, I was at the prayer meeting last night and you know, pastor was praying and the leaders were praying and the people were praying and God was doing miracles. This one kid got this healed and this one person got that healed and the person listening going, dude, you sound crazy. And that's okay. You, you can say what you want to say. You can feel what you want to feel. But here's what really struck me with this. This wasn't the Gentiles saying that. This wasn't the foreigners and the unbelievers. This is the people in the prayer meeting. You just came and told me that God did what we asked him to do. And my first response is you're crazy. You're crazy. Listen, be careful, church, about being cynical and pessimistic about the things that God has done. Listen, again, I'm going to believe you because that's what you said. Sometimes we explain to people something miraculous that God has done and people think we're crazy. And I think it's because it's easier for some to believe you're crazy than to believe something that crazy came true. It's easier to believe you're crazy than to believe something that crazy would come true. The real crazy part, like I said, is that it would be unbelievers that would doubt. Listen, as a believer, if somebody comes up to you and says God did a miracle in their life. Encourage them. Don't add doubt. Don't, now again, if, if they're saying like, hey man, I, I believe the Lord came to me in a dream and told me I'm the Messiah. That is a crazy statement. That's a different thing. Okay, but if it's biblical, if it lines up, encourage them. Praise God with them. Be choice with them. Even listen, go that far. Don't just, because some of us, you don't say anything, but your face says everything. And so they come up to you, man, God, I couldn't do this and now I can do God in America. You're just like, yeah, I mean, 
if you say so. No, we're, we're believers. We can't just believe in God. We have to believe in what God does. And so if God says it, I believe it. And if God is using you to do it, then I want to believe it. And so we have to be careful with pessimism and doubt and all the things that the enemy tries to whisper in your ear and saying, nah, 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 that didn't really happen. Because it's trying to rob God from the credit that he solely deserves. John chapter 10, verse 19 through 21. When he said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him being Jesus. Some said he's demon possessed and out of his mind. Another word for crazy. Why listen to a man like that? Others said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This doesn't sound like something a crazy person would say. Can a crazy person make their own back straight? Can a crazy person heal a knee that's been broken for six years? Like, no, no, I I just got to trust you. And again, if you're lying and you're sensational and you're just doing it for attention, then God will deal with you. I don't got to deal with you. You God's going to help you with that. But as for me, I don't want to label something crazy that could be something miraculous. Even if it sounds completely out of bounds. And listen, there are times I've heard things and I had this kid I prayed for, he felt his leg extended and and he was able to walk in a way that he never walked in an evenness. And I mean, there was a celebration that was going on. There's a part of it's like, well, I ain't never seen that. Just because I've never seen it doesn't mean God can't do it. And so I'm like, yeah, man, you run your run, bro. I mean, Be who God called you to be. Do what God called you to do. Because I am not the determining factor on whether God moves or not. And we can't get in people's ways and lower their faith just because it doesn't make sense to you. And then the third thing was this. So you got Peter, thinks he's in a dream. Rhoda's getting called crazy. And then here's the funny part, right? So they think you're crazy. They're having this whole meeting. And again, Peter's still outside knocking. You're crazy. They're having this conversation, discussion amongst all of them. And here's the conclusion. Must be an angel. Now, I want you to walk with me on this. It's easier for the believers in that room to believe that an angel was sent down and is camouflaging himself as Peter and knocking on the door than that God actually answered their prayer. That's easier for them to believe than that God would actually do the very thing that they asked him to do. Listen, sometimes the issue we have is we think we're mistaken. And we start giving credit to different things. We start giving glory to different things. Well, maybe, you know, maybe it was God that put together the job for Martha or Marta, but, you know, maybe it was just coincidence. Well, is it easier for you to give credit to coincidence or to God? Why does coincidence get the credit? Well, you know, it it could have been the Lord or, you know, it just could have been because they're getting older and then something, they moved in a certain way and then something about it's like, why are we jumping circles trying to explain what God is already explaining? What God is already doing? Listen, in John chapter 20, verse 25 through 29, it says, they told him, this is right after Jesus' resurrection when he met with the disciples, but Thomas wasn't in the room. So they're having this conversation. They told him, we've seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Pretty big statement out of him. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, 
Put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord, my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told them, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. There's a lot of people that say, well, why doesn't God just show up in person and do miracles like that? Or or even people go further and say, why doesn't God do miracles anymore? Here's the truth. And I believe it. Because we see it all throughout scripture. God could physically stand here in, in Jesus Christ's form all over again, heal every single one of you in the exact way you want to be healed, and somebody will still say, I don't know if that really happened. Right? Uh, there was a, I forgot who had credit for the statement, but they were talking about how much criticism he had. And he said, I can walk on water and the critics will say it's because I don't know how to sail a boat. Like so often we just want to say, well, you're just, you're just mistaken. Here's, here's the scientific answer. Here's the realistic answer. Or here's the more probable answer. And I'm just like, what if the answer is, I did what God told me to do and he did what he said he would do. What if prayer works and God still hears us? What if God is still capable of doing the miraculous, but it might be our lack of faith that prevents him from doing it in us? Because they prayed, he did it, and even after seeing the results, they still don't believe. You're exactly. So listen, we have to be careful. We have to be careful to give glory and to give credit to something else. Even like, you know, we, we get into this situation sometimes in churches where we start crediting healers rather than God. Well, Bishop so-and-so prayed over me. Who cares? Who's Bishop so-and-so? Pastor Joe, you think that name means anything when it comes to the grand scheme of things? Like, it doesn't matter, who, you know, and again, there are some people I'm sure that have a gift for healing, but they are a conduit, not a source. They are something that God flows through, not someone who is able to do it in and of themselves. So we don't glorify and worship a place or situation. Or or you got these people that they start going to specific places, making pilgrimages to locations, thinking, well, God will heal me in that place. No, God will heal you where your faith resides. The problem is sometimes he won't. And I think it's because he won't get the credit if he does. Because your faith is not placed in him. Why does he look at Peter and say, hey, listen, blessed are you because you see it and now you believe. But even more blessed are the ones who don't see and yet believe. Worship team, if you can help me out. Now, I purposely skipped the verse in Acts chapter 12 that I want to go back to. Uh, Peter is, is captured and obviously James has been killed. Christians are being persecuted. The church is nervous. But I want you to see how they respond to nervousness. Now, there's a fight or flight kind of mentality. And many people, when even a hint of persecution comes, they run from God. When even a hint of persecution knocks on their door, they run out the other door. But I want you to notice what the church does. Persecution has taken one of their leaders and is about to take another leader. And the scriptures say in Acts chapter 12, verse 5, but while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. They prayed with a genuineness and with a sincere heart. They might have lacked a little faith, 
but they prayed with sincerity. I want to challenge us that when we pray, we would pray with sincerity to the Lord. God responded to the earnestness of their prayers. The word earnest literally is a picture of stretching out all that you can for something. Just trying to get, straining every possible muscle. The verb is actinus. It's a medical term describing the stretching of a muscle to its limits. Much of our prayer is powerless because it lacks earnestness. Too often, we almost pray with the attitude of wanting God to care about things that we really don't care about. If you want God to care, you need to show your own sincerity for it. To me, some of the most powerful prayers I've had had very little words because I just, I couldn't utter them. But there was such a deep sincerity in my heart and an earnestness to see God move in this situation. Earnest prayer has power, not because it in and of itself persuades a reluctant God. Instead, it demonstrates that our heart cares passionately about the things that God cares about. And that fulfills a very prominent promise that we have in John 15, 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If you stay with me and you stand on the word I've given you, the scriptures, meaning if we are in alignment, if you're where I'm at understanding what I'm saying and you pray in alignment with my will, ask for anything and it will be done for you. That's earnest prayer. That's sincere prayer. To come before the Lord and confidence and in trust, not in my ability or in what I deserve. We already talked about last week. We don't deserve anything good anymore from God. But in the earnestness of knowing, God, I'm standing on your word and I'm aligning with your will. And if it's your will to accomplish this prayer request, then I bring it before you and I ask you to do what only you can do. And the prayer or the praise and the honor will be yours and yours alone, Father. That's how we are to pray. And that's how we're to bring things before the Lord. I want you to stand for me. I want to pray a simple prayer. The worship team is going to lead us in a song. And I'm not necessarily going to call you at the altars. I think we already had a powerful time there. This is something that I'm praying God will deposit in your heart. That when you go home, there's some prayers you start to pray with a greater earnestness. And part of why I don't want to do it at the altar is I can easily coach you up in that. I can get you to where you need to go. But my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would coach you up in that prayer closet when you're by yourself. In those moments at night where your mind is running a million miles a minute, those are the moments we go before God's throne. We say, God, if it's enough for me to be anxious about, then right now it's obviously enough for me to pray about it. And I'm gonna pray with earnestness. I'm gonna pray with sincerity. And I'm gonna pray that when you do it, God, 
I would have enough faith to believe it, to give you glory, to give you honor. So why don't you bow your heads with me, close your eyes. Heavenly Father, I pray what many of the disciples prayed, that the eyes of the hearts would be open, God. And Lord, I pray for those seemingly impossible prayers in our lives, God. Lord, from the healing of a disease to the location of a job to the return of a prodigal, God, whatever it is, Lord, whatever prayers we have that we think are not worth praying anymore, God, I pray that you would open our eyes and remind us we're not dreaming. You are who you say you are. You can do what you say you can do, God. God, I pray that you would open our eyes to remind us that we're not crazy. We're not speaking to the air. We're not calling on a dead God. Lord, I pray that you would help us remember that when you do it, that we are not mistaken, that it is you indeed, oh Lord, that it is not coincidence, that it's not luck, that it's not happenstance, that it's not uh, inevitable, but it is by your spirit, Lord and by your power that you are able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could have ever thought or imagined. So Lord, I pray let faith rise in this room, God, in the hearts of every individual. Holy Spirit, I pray, speak to them in those quiet moments. Lord, resonate in their heart. Coach them up, God, to have greater faith in you, O Lord. Because if we have greater faith as individuals, then we'll have greater faith as a corporate entity. So God, I pray for every one of us who have doubted you, who have thought we were crazy, who have mistaken the situation, who don't give you the proper honor and glory for the things you've done, God. Who forgot about that prayer six months ago that was answered today. And we just think we're lucky. God, luck has nothing to do with any of this. Lord, everything that happens in our life is according to your purpose and your plan. So Father, I just pray, open our eyes to see, to have a greater faith and a greater trust in who you are and what you say. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on, worship with this church.